0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the newest episode of The Dragon Cast. My name is Brian Daniels, and I'm here with my podcast partner in crime, Victor Salazar. And, Victor, we got a very special guest with us here today on this episode of The Dragon Cast. We want to welcome the uh, former president and CEO of Sega of America. He also spent some time at uh, Matchbox, Mattel, he was with Leapfrog for a while too. I mean, this man had all kinds of stuff to do with our childhood. Uh, right. I want to welcome Mr. Tom Kolinsky to the show. Tom, it's great to have you here today, sir. Well, well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here with you guys. Thank
1: you, thank you. No, like 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 Brian says, he had a hand in our childhood throughout <laughs> the early '90s. I mean, why, it was just amazing. You know, if you guys haven't caught this Console Wars documentary, man, you'll see mm-hmm. what Tom was involved with. All kinds of. We're talking about. Barbie, matches of the universe, you know the, the the Hot Wheels toys, Shira, everything, guys, Flintstone gummy bears. I mean, the Flintstone vitamins. Come on, man, who did not have those? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is amazing that we get to chat with Tom. I would love to hear some. Yeah. Of this. Oh, thank you
0: to yeah Big, uh, yeah well hot.
2: flintstones we made it the number one vitamin in 1968 and i think it still is today, <laughs> it oh, is yeah, still
0: yeah. today. yeah man that's just that's just insane yeah i uh i uh i just want to first off i want to say thank you for Thanks. for giving me my, most of my childhood time we i it's so appreciative i remember when i was a kid uh it was christmas and i opened up my sega genesis and uh you know uh, one of my favorite games for sega genesis was aladdin it's my favorite disney movie a very good game and uh, i'm sure that was a a top seller for you guys back then when that game came out of course with partnering with disney you guys did the lion king as well Mm -hmm. um you also had a beauty and the beast game that came out but uh man tom i don't even know where to begin man there's so much that you've had a hand in in the uh, you know 80s 90s um so i gotta ask you um you know, you you, you mostly, you got into marketing and I got to know what, why toys? Why the toy industry? How did you come into getting into the toy industry? Can you, can you share with, with us? Like, how did you, how did you come about that?
2: Yeah. I, I was living in New York city at the time and I was working for this uh, subsidiary of J. Walter Thompson advertising agency that developed new products. And they were the group that helped develop Flintstones vitamins. And wow. so that was a, you know, a big hit obviously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got a call from a headhunter that I want to go over to the New York Toy Fair. I didn't know what the heck she was talking about. I said, <laughs> sure, I'll go to the New York Toy Fair. <laughs> and so I, I went over to the New York Toy Fair, and she introduced me to a vice president at Mattel. And so I started a, a, a conversation with this guy, Joe Whitaker, uh, who was a VP at, at Mattel. Mm-hmm. And we, we hit it off pretty well. We just had a, a conversation at the time and and that was kind of it but i was intrigued by you know walking around and seeing all the toys it was really fascinating to see all this stuff and how they could it. Sure. they had professional actors and actresses presenting the toys to retail buyers there was no internet of course it was all retail buyers mm-hmm. so it was, it was very interesting and then, and then nothing for, for months and, and in the interim i actually got called in front of a senate subcommittee hearing on on children's advertising because they were they were mad at uh kellogg's and they were mad at her, uh, children's advertising, and they're mad at Mars for candy advertising. And oh somehow I got called into that too for for Flintstones. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you go to a Senate subcommittee hearing, it's pretty, pretty bad. And oh, and of course, <laughs> Mattel, Mattel yeah. was there too. And Mattel was, <laughs> there, was there, Ideal was there. The senators yeah. sit up high on these mahogany desks, and you're down low below them. You're looking up on them like you that. Them. You're on them, mahog- yeah, yeah, you're right on a, a, a very hard <laughs> table and an iron folding chair the lawyer next to you. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and Senator Margaret J. Smith looks at me and says, so Mr. Kalinsky, you think selling drugs to children is a good idea. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and I said, Senator, I'm sure you're aware that Flintstones vitamins is a nutritional product. It is not a drug. Right. And it contains all the vitamins and minerals that children need. And there's so many moms that are happy that we're doing this because even though they want their children to eat fruits and vegetables, it's very hard for them to get them to eat fruits and vegetables. So if they give them a Flintstones vitamin, they know they're doing something for their health. Let me read a letter from a mom who basically said that. So I read this letter. I pulled it out. And uh, um And then I said, Senator, would you like me to read some more letters too? I have about 5,000 here. And I pulled this big mailbag full of letters. That's
1: awesome. That was one of my enough, enough, in the other stories, Mr. wars. I love that. I, I love, love that, that story. And yeah. I saw that on there too. And I said, oh, I got 500 or 5,000 more letters. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it, you know? So Mattel, so that, Mattel that was, guys were now Mattel
2: behind a different group of Mattel guys, but they said yeah. after the, the uh, inquiry, yeah, out in the hallway they said uh you know that was pretty good uh, why don't you come out to to mattel in hawthorne california sometime and we'll, we'll get you yeah. a, an interview out there and so that got set up and i went out to mattel and that's how i ended up in the toy industry oh
3: man
0: <laughs> who would have that's, thought that a that a senate hearing hearing would lead you to working with uh one of if not at the time the biggest toy company yeah, it was uh yeah. right there then i mean that's that's so amazing tom uh you know, um, I've, I've kind of followed you over the years, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, I've been, I'm huge into retro gaming, um, you know, and uh, you've always, to me, been like that voice of gaming mm-hmm. back then, uh, you know, especially uh, 80s, and then from the early to mid 90s with Sega and everything like that. But before we get into the video games, I, I do want to still get into and, and talk with you about your time as uh, in the toy industry. Yeah. So when you got into mattel um what was the situation like there what was it that they were hoping to achieve with your time and tenure there at mattel
2: well i, I started at a, at a low level i was a product manager on preschool toys and i started on CNCs and jack-in-the-boxes and little wooden vehicles oh, wow. called putt-putts mm-hmm. and I, you know i changed the packaging to red and white and the business grew nicely it, you know it, was, it wasn't huge but it was you know a 50 million dollar business or something back in right. 1972 and uh, one day, Ruth Handler, the founder, one of the founders, Mattel is founded by Ruth and Elliot Handler mm-hmm. and a guy named Matt. And, and uh, that's where the Matt, Matt L, L is Elliot. Oh, okay. And,
1: uh, nice. Ruth, you know, I didn't know that. Yeah.
2: yeah. And Ruth came into my cubicle and she was about five foot two and a little fiery person. You know, she swore like a sailor and you know, had a <laughs> lot, of, lot of character. Yes. She says, Tom, Barbie sales declined last year. The retail buyers say it's over for Barbie. My sales force says it's over for Barbie. The Wall Street analysts say it's over for Barbie. We should go do something else. What do you think about that? And I said, Ruth, that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard. Barbie will be (laughs) around long after you and I are gone. She said, that's what I wanted to hear. I'm going to talk to Ray, who is the president of the company, Mm -hmm. about you get in on the barbie business and so that's how i ended up on the barbie business oh my and, goodness and uh you know and that's, fortunately that's the business crazy. had fallen from like 100 million to 42 million and we did a oh, wow. lot of things to bring it back up and they worked you know we did a lot of different yeah. dolls we did career dolls we did low price dolls we did high price dolls we did deals with famous designers like oscar de la rena we did more accessories wow. like the dream house and the and yeah. uh, the the camper yeah. and what
1: have you and mm-hmm. the business grew and grew and grew and it was just you're really good this is going to be a, a little bit of an interesting question here Tom you working a, a, a male working at the head of for Barbie or you know the advertising for Barbie did you run into any kind of resistance for that you know you know being a guy working with the girls ty- toy line was that something that you ever thought no I do not say thought but did you have any kind of you know pushback on no, I, I didn't.
2: And also remember, I, it's good. not just me. I had a team. And what, I had a team of, 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 well, actually, it was mostly ladies that worked under me nice. and, uh, as yeah. marketing directors and, and uh, product managers, uh, wow. a gal named Rita Fire, a, a gal named Judy Shackleford, And then the best hire I ever made in my life was a gal named Jill Barad. I hired her out of Revlon. And because uh, oh, wow. the fashion, you know, at Cosmetics, is a fashion business. You have to have something yeah. new every year. And toys, you have to have something new every year. So there's some similarity right. there. Mm-hmm. And she understood fashion she was just terrific and uh, you know i always tease her uh i say i was helped i helped build the barbie business from 42 million to 550 and she says well, I took it from 550 to 2 billion and I said, <laughs> "Yeah, but my percent increases were bigger."
1: <laughs> you know, the only reason I asked that is because, you know, the late the late 70s and early 80s were a different time for toys, you know. Yeah. Now we're we're more yeah. we're a little more on an even playing field, but back then, you know, there was definitely that hard line between boys toys and and girl toys. Mm-hmm. So, I was just curious as to, you know, if there was some kind of resistance or if there was some kind of like, you know, little bit of a raised eyebrow saying this guy working with barbie toys you know what's going on here is he really gonna make it work but you know the team made it work and everything was amazing because as we all know barbie was going to be here for for the long haul she's not going out yeah. you're absolutely right on that yeah 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 it's your out.
0: So, so i'm also curious i gotta ask because uh my my wife wants to know my wife's a huge fan of she and mm-hmm. uh she also thanks you for, for making She-Ra and, and coming up with all that. Tell me what that was like. What Can you tell us about the insight on the, on what, how masters of the universe and all of that came about? Yeah. Well,
2: sure. It, it's, it can be a long story. I'll try to make it short. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, you know, Mattel didn't have a male action line at that time. We had big Jim, yeah. who wasn't a very big seller. And, uh, and Hasbro had, had acquired Kenner, so they had Star Wars, they had G.I. Joe, yeah. and they were just huge in the male wow. action figure business, and so we did all this research. We start When you started it with research in those days, you started with drawings, so we started with drawings of Spider-Man and Batman and all <laughs> different themes of characters that you can imagine, yeah. <clears throat> and we put them in front of boys and said, which do you like? Mm-hmm. All this very strong, muscular-looking guy ended up doing very well in that research versus Star Wars and versus Spider-Man and what have you. Yeah. So then we developed models of, oops, sorry. We developed <laughs> models of those characters, <laughs> uh, yeah. physical models. And again, we put them in front of boys. And again, this strange, muscular guy who had a story around him of, of being, uh, he you know, he had the power when he raised his sword mm. and said, I have the power. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he fought <laughs> against this enemy Skeletor in Castle Skull. Yes. <laughs> that resonated with his cast of friends yeah. and and skeletor had his cast of enemy friends yeah and it won in the research <clears throat> so that gave us the courage to really introduce the toy line so we introduced the toy line along with stories you know and and uh shiro is of course was was uh adam's sister uh he-man's sister and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and it was actually jill barat who i mentioned a minute ago yeah. he said you know little girls are loving he-man and masters of the universe wow uh, and uh, we had a tv show that we did of course as mm-hmm. you know, oh yeah and about 30 percent of the viewers were girls oh so wow jill said you know we ought to we ought to do a girls male or female action line if you will different than <laughs> and uh, shiro yeah. became the lead of that uh yeah. and of uh, good girls who were who were action figures as well so that's yeah. kind of how how Shira wow. actually came about. It had a lot to do with the fact that girls enjoyed the television show, oh, yeah. and Jill was smart enough to say, "Hey, we had to we had to do a toy line around it."
0: That's cool. That's that's fantastic, man. Yeah. That's that's <clears throat> great. Um, and I bet that was at the time that was a really empowering thing for girls too. You know, having yes. uh, a strong female character in an action figure form to go to because you know back then it was all about barbie and dressing yes. up and all that stuff and then when you but yet uh that's that's amazing to me that 30 percent you said of the viewers were were girls at the time uh that's great and yeah. uh, to be able mm-hmm. to give those girls at the time something uh, give them a strong female mm-hmm. that's look Look, I'm a badass too. I can be just as badass as Shira, <laughs> right? So, right. so I mean, or as He Man. So I mean, to, to give them that, that's really, really awesome, uh, for you to do, For you guys to come up with that, that's amazing. Um, uh, before we, once again, one one more thing before we get into the gaming, because I know everybody watching want to want want <laughs> to know all about the video game industry. I gotta ask you about your time at um at Matchbox. So you uh you had left um Mattel what, what like in the late '80s, right? yeah 87 um, 87 and then what was your how did you come into uh into it with matchbox and if you could tell us a little bit about how you kind of uh, jump-started the hot wheels uh, industry then too
2: okay so uh a friend of mine a guy named david Ye, ran a big manufacturing company in hong kong china and he he actually was a contract manufacturer for mattel he made a lot of stuff for us both dolls and and even hot wheels cars uh-huh and uh, he had a big die cast factory in macau mm-hmm. and uh, nice. he bought it was it could be a long story again but anyway Fox sure, yeah. <laughs> was in bankruptcy in england it was in receivership as they say oh wow and to buy it out of receivership in england you had to agree to keep a factory open in england and you had to agree to employ x number of people uh and you had to invest x amount of money so I was at Mattel at the time, and I said, geez, we can't keep a factory open in, in England. You know? <laughs> right. And so we didn't buy Matchbox. Well, he bought Matchbox. Oh, wow! He bought it for a very favorable price. So anyway, he calls me up, and he says, okay, I know you're interested in this. Why don't you get out of that big company and come here <laughs> to a smaller <laughs> company and do something <laughs> entrepreneurial, and we'll have a lot of fun together. Yeah. And I like David, and I like the idea of, of actually doing something more entrepreneurial at the time. I've been with a big company for a long time. And so it's 15, 16 years. And so yeah. I did. And of course, then I, and I got into Matchbox and boy, was it a mess. I mean, it was just <laughs> a, an awful mess. I could tell you story after story. I'll give you a couple. <laughs> the, the, the head of Matchbox UK,
0: yeah. spending
2: his hobby was uh, horse racing. So he, of course, spent the advertising budget in horse racing magazines. Well, that made a lot Mm -hmm. of sense for Matchbox. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, another guy there liked hot air ballooning. So he had this big hot air balloon that roamed around England that had a big Matchbox logo on it. That didn't (laughs) make any sense either. Anyway, so they're losing money in England. They're losing money in Germany and France and Italy. I mean, Europe was just a disaster oh boy so i had to go around and in those days to reorganize companies in germany and in france and in italy the laws are much different than they are here it's very hard to do it's very hard to fire uh, senior managers no matter how incompetent they are right yeah so i had to work my way through all that and uh, eventually did Mm -hmm. one funny story is i ended up in uh, barcelona spain for the spanish company and i got there i got there i don't know a day early or something and I didn't speak Spanish, but I had Matchbox uh, uh, logo cards. And so I showed this taxi driver the logo card for, for uh, Matchbox. And he, he said, oh, Matchbox, yeah, yeah, yeah. Off we go. And we go to this building in the industrial area outside of Barcelona. And uh, I go in, and there's this Matchbox sign. And I go in, and, and uh, there's nobody there because it's, it's nap time. You know, it's, it's siesta time. <laughs> and, siesta. Uh, <laughs> uh, lunch time. And I go through this mm-hmm. door and there's a factory and there's die cast machines and plastic injection molding machines and all this wow. stuff and there's packaging going on and what have you. So I called there was a phone in the reception area and I used my my you have to use you know your credit card number and all that in those days. And I called David <laughs> back in, in Hong Kong. I said, David, I'm sitting in our factory in, in Barcelona, Spain. He says, We don't have a factory in Barcelona, Spain. <laughs> I said, well, oh no. I'm watching them. High cast machines, injection molding machines, plastic uh, stuff going in and out, and ma- packaging with matchbox logo on it. He says, Tom, it's an illegal operation. Wow, <laughs> get, get out of there! Wow,
1: <laughs> wow. And the fact oh. that the taxi driver knew too is like,
2: oh, yeah, I know Isn't where that, that, funny? that is. Yeah, he <laughs> must have had a That's so funny. <laughs> So anyway, I went to a hotel, called the police, and we. it took a long time, but we got that straightened out uh, eventually. Wow, and,
3: uh, man.
2: Got it shut that's down. Incredible. And, uh, <laughs> there were prosecutions
0: and what have you, but that's just one yeah. That's how bad things were at Patchbox back in that those is, days. See, I would never have imagined that. <laughs> yeah. I would never in my wildest dreams imagine that.
2: But we eventually, no, it, everything straightened out, and I'll tell you, again, it wasn't me. I hired really good young people, uh, young guys and primarily in in England uh that that became superstars for all of Europe and I took one of them from from Europe to the United States to straighten out Matchbox U.S. a guy named John Barber and he did and later he went on to become president of Toys R Us Uh, and so you know it's it's all about the people you work with you know and I was fortunate enough to be able to hire correctly
0: and build team and have fun while I was doing it that's amazing that's amazing that's incredible i can't believe <laughs> yeah i never in my wildest dreams i i remember being a kid and 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 playing with hot wheels and now to hear that it, <laughs> that puts that a little bit of perspective cool. on the on the well, whole, and the,
2: the rest of the the rest of the story of course is that uh so i i leave uh uh matchbox to to uh uh at a time when we were going to sell the thing and we sold it to tyco industries yeah well a couple of years later Mattel bought Tyco Industries. And oh, so uh, it, it went full circle without nice. me being part of it at that point. But yeah. uh, the Matchbox became a Mattel brand after all. <laughs>
0: that's
1: crazy. That's crazy. Cool. The universe just makes it work out that way sometimes, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So cool. yeah it's, it's like you said, you've always been fortunate in your career to make the right connections. And that's that's important of any yeah. of anybody in any careers is to make those connections and you've made some very, very good connections in your, in your lifetime. Um, so you went from matchbox. So, uh, now we're getting into Sega, we're getting yeah. into the nineties and, um, you know, what a nineties, man, I'm a nineties, I'm a nineties kid. That was, I know a lot of people can argue about what the best decade was. I got to say the nineties is the best decade for any kid to grow up in. There's just so much, so many awesome things that came out for kids in the nineties and we're gonna get into into video gaming, so um, I gotta ask you how how much experience did you have prior to coming into Sega with video games? Had you had you been had you played video games before you moved into Sega or got to Sega? You know, I know you have I know you have kids too. What was it like? You know, like um, what was your experience level with video games or the gaming industry prior going into Sega? Okay, you you probably forgot that Mattel owned Intellivision. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yep, that's right. There it is. Yep.
2: And Intellivision yeah. was started by uh, a couple guys that worked for me in what we called our activity toy and game division at the time. Yeah. And they started Intellivision. And they, actually, they wow. started the handheld games first. You know, the racing yeah. game, the football <laughs> game. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and those became big, big sellers. Mm-hmm. And the board of directors of Mattel said, hmm, this is, this is an interesting business. And Atari, of course, was booming. Oh, yeah. So they said, let's separate the electronic game business away from the toy industry and start a separate division, separate yeah. company. Yeah. And so they formed Intellivision as a separate company. And it actually moved out of the building that the toy industry, the Mattel Toys was in on mm-hmm. 5150 Rosecrans. They moved them down the road away. And uh, gosh, I keep dropping my phone. I'm sorry. No, you're uh, okay. And so... Uh, I was kind of angry about that, to tell you the truth, because I uh. liked what my guys had done. I thought that, that it was going to be successful, Yeah. Uh, but they took it away from me. Anyway, and, and as the years passed, I would hear about how Atari was getting in trouble with too much inventory at retail, yeah. and Intellivision was getting in trouble with too much inventory at retail, and then Atari did the famous ET game disaster. Mm-hmm. And I would go into the board meetings at, at Mattel and, and say, hey, you know, Things aren't going to be so good for Intellivision. It's too much inventory retail. And the, the, the CEO and chairman of Mattel would say, that's nice. Pat me on the head and say, go, go back and play with you. Oh, players. man. So oh, I did man. not have a great feeling about it. And, of course, then the whole thing collapsed. And when yeah. it collapsed, when Intellivision collapsed, it lost so much money that mm-hmm. the banks were furious with Mattel. Because, you know, we needed working capital to, to mm-hmm. do our R&D and do our tooling and develop our toy lines. Of course. The banks no longer, they would no longer finance us. Yeah. So I had to go hat in hand uh, down to Wilshire Boulevard and meet with uh, uh, Drexel Burnham, uh, the, the, the bank that is famous for doing uh, subordinated debt, mm. and basically beg them for financing. And, and Mike Milken refinanced Mattel. If he had not done that, we would have had to go Chapter 11. So oh. you can imagine… I didn't have a great feeling about it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I did enjoy playing video games, but I was kind of mad about the whole situation. So it took a while for me to get over that and to become more interested in the value of video games. Which, of course, eventually uh, occurred. Mm-hmm. I think they're highly valuable mm-hmm. and wonderful wow. products, and great for imagination, and great for relaxing, and great for education. Frankly, so I, I really, uh, I it was. I had to do an 180 degree turn after my yeah.
1: experience. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, being a finance guy, I know that's got to be myself being a finance guy. I know that's got to be tough when you have to go out there looking for financing that yeah. that's just, Ooh, <laughs> you know, that, that that must've been a tough time. Definitely. For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, uh, so having dealt with the Intellivision and, and you saying that, you know, you were like, uh, the gaming industry, uh, you know, they had the big collapse and everything you mentioned, and then uh, we got to mention them because it, it, it's part of your history. Along came Nintendo, of course. They sparked the, um, they, they lit the uh, country on fire, essentially, with the gaming industry. They took a big, big risk. Mm-hmm. Here, uh, you know, here in Japan, uh, you know, it's kind of funny watching the Console Wars documentary that you were a part of, which if you guys haven't seen this yet, you have got to go check it out. It's a fantastic oh, yeah. exactly. documentary uh, based, on a, uh, based on a book uh the same name um for those who don't know uh you know nintendo they were making they were a card company at the time they were making hennafuda cards and um th- that's when they started i mean nintendo's been around for a long 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 time long before they even did anything with video, <laughs> with video games yeah. so i mean they had to take a big risk i'm sure people were looking at them like are you guys crazy you guys are making cards and you want to do video games like did you see what <laughs> just happened so uh they they had brought the NES over here to America after, after a release in the Famicom in Japan and then uh Sega at the time they did they they had what was called the Mega Drive
2: mm-hmm. which uh well first the Master System well the
0: Master System I master mean system. And, and it didn't and it didn't do too well right it mm-hmm. wasn't very it wasn't very good and then uh they brought you along they wanted to know they needed some help and uh you had had some history in the toy industry uh, you know, uh, helping, you know, these companies grow from bil- millions to billions of dollars and being successful. Um, I know you said that you were a little iffy about the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was still the case when, a, when Sega approached you about wanting to jump, uh, jump over to them, right?
2: Yeah, and actually, I, I was familiar with the 8-bit master system because when I was running Matt, uh, Matchbox, Hayao mm. Nakayama actually asked me, to handle the distribution of it for the US and Europe. And I took a look at it and I compared it to NES and I said, well, it's not any different. And so I I didn't see enough of a difference or advantage to do that. So I I turned him down. Now I had known him from the past when he was at, at one point remember Sega was owned by Paramount Pictures and Paramount Pictures was doing a lot with Mattel back in the eighties with licenses. And so he would show up Mm -hmm. in town every now and then and I would get to to meet him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a vice president at the time of of marketing of of Sega. So Mm -hmm. I knew him for years and years and years, but I turned him down on the 8-bit system. And then when I left Matchbox, as we were in the process of selling it uh, Mm -hmm. to Mm Tyco, I went on vacation and I'm in Hawaii and Nakayama shows up (laughs) 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 and uh, lures me to Japan to look Mm -hmm. at 16-bit technology. Mm -hmm. He said, you did not like 8-bit, but I got something you're going to love. And also to show me the handheld color game gear system, portable system. And he was right. I fell in love with both of them because they were really different. I mean, Genesis Mega Drive was really different than what Nintendo had at the time. And of course, Game Gear was way different than Game Mm -hmm. Boy. So I I really fell in love with the technology. and, uh, And I thought some of the games were pretty good as
1: well, which is helpful uh So that was how that was how he lured me into Sega. <laughs> yeah, the visuals to that story is so amazing on the console wars documentary. Oh man, yeah, I, I, just, I thought that was so cool. I loved how they added that 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 animation to it. You know, you see Tom lying on the beach, and you know, here he goes, businessman looking over, saying, "Hey, you want to come join Sega?" <laughs> It made, it made me wonder. Hey, is that really how it went down? <laughs> Did he go look for you at the beach? Is that I just really found you happened? on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I know so, you were on vacation, but that was so cool. So wow. you, so
0: you, so you're coming into Sega, and they're trying to do this crazy thing and compete with Nintendo, and uh, you know, and which, which I mean, I guess you could safely kind of say that Nintendo had a little bit of a monopoly. Oh, on yeah. the on the video game industry at the yes. time, oh, I mean, yeah. I had one. I think we all had one when we were kids. I grew up at that time. Uh, you know, that was uh, the NES was my first console, followed up by the Sega Genesis. And let's talk mm-hmm. about that now. So we got the Sega Genesis. We got a we got this uh, uh, higher bit console 16-bit. that is is a sixteen bit console that's trying to blow out the NES and wants to be more powerful. What was that like with you? And what was your what was your first impressions? You said that you you loved it when you first saw it um you know were you were you one of the first people to actually get the chance to see what the actual design of the console had looked like before they showed he, it off to the no public?
2: no it had actually been launched already oh that's it, right yeah it wasn't it just wasn't doing real well yet in yeah the, in the launch markets in the U.S.
3: yeah
2: um <clears throat> and uh and, and so when I joined the uh, I made a deal with nakayama and I said, well, if I'm going to make, do this, I've got to be able to make all the decisions for the U.S. and <laughs> yeah. the Western world, and yeah. he agreed. And when I came into the office in here in Northern California, it was in mm-hmm. South San Francisco at the time, uh, there were a couple people I knew. I knew Al Nielsen. He had worked at Mattel. Mm-hmm. I knew Paul Rio. He had worked at Mattel. Yeah. Uh, and then there, were, there was this guy, Shinobu Toyota, who I got to know very, very well. It became my, mm-hmm. my right arm. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was kind of depressing to tell you the truth. I mean, because they weren't <laughs> getting very far with the launch of, of Genesis yeah. and uh, the retailers didn't like them and the third parties wouldn't support the system and everything yeah. was kind of a mess. It was really kind of a depressing place to tell you the truth.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so
2: we had to change that. We had to change the attitude. We had to change the, the feeling that people had. We had to make them believe they could be successful. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it actually was depressing for me because I heard one of the first things that I did was I toured the United States retailers. So I visited Toys R Us and they told oh, me what wow. Genesis was doing and, and how they never lived up to their promises. And I went to Walmart and they told me it wasn't, they weren't going to carry it. And carry I went it. to Target yeah. and, and they, they said, well, we're carrying it, but we probably will drop it because it's not doing very well and the oh, your company man. doesn't do what it's supposed to. And so it was really, really a downer to tell you the truth. Yeah. So i actually went back to japan and i think this story is related in console wars pretty well and i Mm -hmm. i said hey i've got a five point point we gotta we gotta change things dramatically in the united states Mm -hmm. and we gotta lower the price of the hardware it's too expensive uh we've got to take altered beast out of the hardware as the pack-in title because in oklahoma and kansas they think that's double worship (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and, we, and at the time, Sonic was under development, so I did know about it. And I did yeah. see it. I did know that it looked very, very good.
0: Oh, yeah.
3: And
2: we're going to put our, our best title in with the hardware, uh, and we're going to take on Nintendo in advertising. We're going to leave them the kiddie market. Anybody 13 and under, go play Nintendo. But if you're a <laughs> or a yeah. college-age person or older, you want to play Genesis. That's right. <laughs> Here's why. And so. That's right. Uh, and, and also, we got to do more product development in the United States. We've got to do more sports titles. Uh, we did, of course, a lot of them: then. Joe Montana football, and Tommy Lasorda yeah. baseball, and David Robinson basketball, and on and on and on. And we've got to get the third parties on board. We've got to make it enticing to them to get on board. And so the first deal we did was was with EA, who really really saved us, by the way. I mean, they mm-hmm. they let us use, frankly, the engine for Joe Montana that became Joe Montana football. It was really the Madden engine, and uh, mm-hmm. and and we made a favorable deal with with Trip uh, and Larry Probst, where they got really a good deal on the on the on the licensing uh, royalty that they had to pay. Mm-hmm. So that got EA on board. Once we got EA on board, then other third parties became interested in us because, frankly, in this business, you can't be successful with just your own titles. You have to have third party support. Oh, and absolutely. So, did those deals with with EA and Tangan and Activision and uh, and uh oh I'm forgetting the number of them but it, but anyway mm-hmm. yeah. it, it all worked out
0: yeah, no absolutely man I mean you guys I remember uh man you guys were so edgy too back then like you guys really <laughs> yes. pushed the envelope with the marketing, which I know came from you man that was great like you guys did the uh, I remember the uh what was it the Genesis does what Nintendo don't I love that yes, that right. was <laughs> Uh, you guys that was fantastic one
2: of my favorite commercials i don't
0: know if you remember
2: there are two favorites that i have we had this real nerdy looking guy. He looked kind of like Bill Gates. And, and, and he was, and he was, we we're talking about how cool it was to play Genesis. And all of a sudden he converts from this nerdy looking guy to this really cool out there guy.
1: <laughs> Genesis. Yeah, he's like in the backyard or something, one. right? Yeah, I know yeah. that, that
2: one. And then the other one was we had the <laughs> Super NES on the back of an old milk truck that was belching smoke. And we had the Genesis on the back of a Ferrari. And it took <laughs> off, and we
1: talked about how. I remember that uh, one. If
2: you want speed, you better be with Genesis because Super Nintendo doesn't have speed.
1: Right? Yeah. That's <laughs> so we that's what of- works, man. That's
2: what oh, what kids were looking man, for. I used to get all these nasty letters from Howard Lincoln at Nintendo, threatening
1: to sue. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Lincoln,
0: oh uh, that's a guy, huh? Yeah, that's the guy, guy, man. That was the guy. You guys definitely, man, didn't waste any time. Once you took, once you started taking over, and they let you, you know, because you you said, "Look, you got to let me do stuff. You got to let me run this show. You got to let me bring you guys back." And you did an excellent job of that. Um, You know, they went from uh, I believe I'm seeing here, a seventy two million dollar to more than over one and a half billion dollar market value because of you. And um, I mean, you guys really, the the battle lines were were drawn. You didn't waste no time, like. (laughs) Like we're here. And then, and then you guys had Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. Oh man. Um, by far and away. And even still today, a very mm-hmm. prominent, iconic video game character. Tell me about your involvement with Sonic, man. What was that like? What was it like when you saw Sonic for the first time? And it, when you saw him, was it, were you just like, okay, this is it. This is our, this is who's going to represent. That's our guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, we didn't have many choices. <laughs> you know. Yeah. We, we, we had Alex the kid and, and Kenobi, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So was, actually, when I first saw Sonic, it was in what we would call wire form, you know, and mm-hmm. I could see how fast he was going to be able to move on the screen. Yeah. And and then when we got the uh, color drawings of him, the mm-hmm. team really uh, Al Nielsen and and Madeline Schroeder, Canapa, they you know it said hmm interesting looking guy he had big fangs. <laughs> He was very ferocious yeah <laughs> and uh, he had a girlfriend madonna who had oh, a yeah band, and she was very busty yeah and uh, madeline didn't think that was such a great idea <laughs> uh, so, and so we we had to convince japan to make a number of changes and and a lot of it was softening the character but still keeping him with that personality of kind of the, the smart ass teenager next door mm-hmm. you yep. know he yep. gets in trouble but ends up doing the right thing and, yeah. and so that was that was kind of what we did. I mean, give them a, a nice personality and get rid of the ferociousness. And I mean, it took a while to convince Japan to do that. And actually, Nakayama was the one who was the final. He said, "Do do what they're saying in the United States." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. of course, it, it 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 did work out. Uh, it was the right it was the right the right thing to do. But again, it, like many video games, the stories are really important. And they wrote great stories for Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, yeah. and uh, the stories were prevalent in the game of course but they also translated to comic books and then eventually we did the same thing we had done with he and masters we did a television show we actually yeah. did two mm-hmm. television shows we did a we did a network show and a syndicated every afternoon uh after school show so uh we had two television shows going at the at the same time and that certainly helped the business as well
0: mm-hmm. yeah that you helped. guys I, I remember watching that tv show it's so crazy because I was, I was telling my wife the other day I said, "Hey, did you know that the voice of Santa Hedgehog was Jalil White?" That's right. You played Urkel in Family Urkel Matters, matters. himself? Yeah. Like what? I was like, "Yeah, like <laughs> that's a fun little bet that not a lot of people know." But yeah, absolutely yeah, that's right. that's really cool. Um, yeah. And uh, you, uh, yeah, man, Santa Hedgehog, man, he 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 defines the attitude. Yeah. Of of Sega, uh, you know, trying to soften him down. I've I've seen those uh those sketches you're referring to where he looked ferocious and scary and all this stuff and, uh, the pictures of Madonna, you can see all that in the console That's was right. documentary too, yeah. which is great. He
1: had a band, yeah, band um, right? Yeah, he
0: <laughs> yeah, had yeah. a band too. And um, But uh, Sonic really did help drive the success of the Genesis. Yes. Um, and uh, you guys ended up doing a, another uh, edition of the Sega. I believe you had updated. they had updated the uh, console to uh, include uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I remember that. Yeah in um, which I believe that was the version of the console that I got as a kid. was was That, that was my favorite uh, Sonic,
2: Sonic game, by too. the way. Sonic 2. Yeah, Sonic... yeah, yeah that's,
3: awesome. a,
0: that's that's my favorite. That's the, absolutely, hands down, my favorite Sonic game is the second one. Um, so you guys had, you guys, you know, the, that was the, con- I mean, really, like there, there had really never been a defined, yeah, there oh, he there is. There, there we go. <laughs> 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 that's, the, that's the man right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh nice um, that was you know when we when everybody thinks of console wars, man, it's, it's, it's Sega Nintendo that was really the console wars. I know I know right now people yeah. are you know it's it's Sony and Microsoft right now is you know and um, I wanted to ask you, you know uh, back then, you guys really didn't play nice with each other. <laughs> you know yeah, to so, you know nintendo nintendo and sega they weren't really very friendly to one another so much so uh back back in back in those times is it weird to you to see guys like phil spencer trying to uh cross those lines and try to play like like you know because you see the relationship with nintendo mm-hmm. and, and microsoft for instance and they're they they work together on a lot of things and then you got sony who's kind of like you know what is what is it like having been in the thick of those console wars in the '90s compared to what it's like right now, where you have you know Phil Spencer is trying to work with like Nintendo and he wants to he wants everybody to play nice and things. That would be kind of that would be insanely unheard of back then, right? Like <laughs> yeah,
2: it, it is. I'll tell you the one that that really shocks me is to see Sega working with Nintendo. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and Mario together and in a Mario. game. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Mario Sonic
1: Olympics, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And they had that racing game. I, I was actually at E3 the year when that came out, yeah. and I got to play it in the Nintendo booth. And I played Sonic against somebody else playing Mario, and I beat him, which made me very happy. So. <laughs> I hadn't touched an Nintendo controller in years, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, it is. It's very different now. Yeah. now we had the battle with Nintendo, but we were very friendly initially with mm-hmm. Sony. Remember, Sony wasn't mm-hmm. in the video game business.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: And and Sony uh, Olaf Olafsson wanted to get into the video game business. He was mm-hmm. the president of uh, Sony Electronics, and so he said, "Help us do software." And so they opened this studio in Santa Monica, and we would lend engineers to go down there to help them develop software that yeah. would be playable on. On Genesis, and then later on the on the Sega CD, mm-hmm. um, and so we had a very close relationship with with Sony in those days, and we were very helpful to one another. Now, the the story where that goes, of course, is Olaf and I wanted to do the, the single platform
3: mm-hmm. uh, because
2: everybody loses money on hardware, so let's just combine. Let's do one Sony Sega platform as the next platform, or 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 Sega Sony or Sony Sega doesn't matter what it's called.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, and we'll share the loss on the hardware. And whoever does the best software will have that revenue and that profit in their company. Well, we were much better at software development than they were. So I yeah. thought, this is a no-brainer for guys. You're kidding, yeah. And all of I went to Japan and we talked to IDA, the president of Sony, and he agreed. He thought this was a good idea. Go over to Nakayama at, at Sega, and Sega and Nakayama said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to help Sony. Yeah, and so he was- turned that down. And to me, that was the worst Man. business decision that could possibly have been made. Yeah. And I kind of blame myself. I must not have been persuasive enough. You know, I must not have been a good enough uh salesperson of this idea. Uh but anyway, we didn't do it and the rest is history, of course. Yeah. They went on and did their own Sony PlayStation.
1: Yeah. They hired a bunch of people away from me. Uh, <clears throat> uh Yeah.
3: Yeah, that was
1: surprising. crazy cuz it makes you wonder what could have been cuz that would have been a mega deal, you know, especially yeah. when you fast forward 20 years and you're looking at Nintendo uh Sony and, my, and Microsoft, they're going at it now and we don't hear Sega anymore, you know, they're not there. No, so it's like a little bit of software. That's about it. And that's about yeah. it. So it's just like, what could have been, you know, I, 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 when I saw the documentary and I saw it, the first thing I said was, what? You don't want to do this? What? Yeah. That, that was just because, you, know, like, you know, like Tom says, it's a no, it seemed like a win-win, no brainer situation. You know, even a common person looking at it from the outside, like that sounds like a great idea.
0: I'm, I'm curious, Tom, did they did they come did Sony try to work with you guys first before they went to Nintendo? because you know, they did try to go to Nintendo too. They were gonna do a Nintendo PlayStation. Was yeah. that before was they did they come to Sega first before they went to Nintendo?
2: No, I think they went to Nintendo first. Okay, I think they did. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I, I wonder I often wondered about that especially when I, when I saw that in the documentary. Um, and then of course, you know they, they brought out the Sega Saturn. Uh, which oh man, you know, that that was uh, you know, and and I'm sure you, I know you, they wanted to release it early, right? And they were was, like, no, yeah. let's so they not
1: release it too early, they did release it, was it too rushed. early, yeah.
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I think was that was a little
0: rushed. bit rushed, yeah. But
1: I do was... remember getting one of those as well, thinking, oh, I think Echo was the game that came out with that, correct? One of the first ones, Echo the uh, Dolphin, uh,
0: yeah,
1: Panzer Dragoon, uh,
0: Panzer Dragoon, Panzer Dragoon,
1: yeah, game.
0: uh,
2: but yeah. but anyway.
3: But you know, yeah I, man that's
2: another that was another mistake and that was sort of toward the end of my time at sega mm-hmm. and it was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back if you will mm-hmm. uh you know i got turned down on the sony sega deal i got turned down on a chipset from silicon graphics that became the mm-hmm. n64 yeah uh, all yeah. of a sudden i wasn't getting cooperation from japan mm-hmm. and then i was forced to do, to introduce the saturn early uh, there wasn't enough hardware to introduce it, and there certainly wasn't enough software to introduce it, and so that that whole thing was a disaster. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're not able to make the decisions, and somebody's making them for you at like, five thousand miles away, yeah. and they don't understand the, the situation, yeah. it's it's not good. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah, that's a great that's
2: all I was there up until the very end.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, that's you know, uh, that's just kind of goes to show the you know, uh, it, it can be kind of hard to work with someone when they're like you said, thousand miles overseas, you know, because the the Japanese landscape and culture is far different from from, right. yeah. from from yeah. here in America, you know, and you did the absolute best job that you were able to with what you had to do that here. Yes. I got to ask you something. Um, you know, uh, I, myself, I know a lot of people would love to see Sega come back and do another console. Do you feel that that is, you know, how would you feel if they just were like, look, we're going to try to get, obviously yeah. they're, they're more of a software company. They got, you got Sonic everywhere. Now you got Sob- Sonic on your phone. You got Sonic on Nintendo, which is, so, which is like you said, very weird, weird. right? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's so I- insane to see, to see that, how would you feel if they just like, we like, you know what, we're going to try this one more time <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and do, and do this again. And what would you, how would you feel if they did something like that? Well,
2: I, you know, again, if they had enough of an advancement in technology to make a big, big difference between what exists today,
3: yeah.
0: then,
2: you know, I still think somebody could be successful with it. I, you know, yeah. I, I keep looking at the stuff that's going on in VR thinking mm-hmm. someday yeah. somebody's going to really hit this out of the ballpark they're going to do mm-hmm. such a spectacular game that everybody's yeah. going to have to have it have it now, it
1: hasn't happened yet but i think it will happen
2: eventually
3: yeah.
1: yeah it was it's so i mean the innovation is just you know brian and i we talk about this all the time that competition breeds innovation it breeds you know new ideas and advancements and I thought it was great during the time that you were at Sega that you guys would push each other to create the next thing. You guys ended up with a 64 on the Sega Saturn and beyond. And now here we are, you know, PlayStation 5 is looking at the most awesomest graphics, whatever the case may be. The VR is looking better. Not quite there yet, but it's looking better. So now we're looking at another set of advancements where this competition continues to come in. Is this something that you would want to, Let's just say Sega decides to do it in a console. Would you want to take that on and say, hey, I'm the guy. Let's let's push back. Let's do this. <laughs> That's something that you would be interested in, or your video game days are over. <laughs> I, I tell you, my team would love me too, but I don't know if I could.
2: I'm 76 <laughs> years old for crying out loud. <laughs> I'm, I'm not exactly up for it right now. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. But but I do think the other thing that people miss out on a lot is. Aside from the, the a couple, really a couple, more than a couple, a lot of really good games. You mentioned Echo the Dolphin by the way. That's a work mm-hmm. of art. That's a wonderful game. And, um, uh, aside from the games and the marketing, Sega did so many other things back in those days. I mean, think about it. We really were the start. Yeah. We were the impetus to, to form a new industry association. Then the IDSA, now they've changed their name. We did the rating system before anybody mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. and It became yeah. the, the, the rating system, the ERB of the of the industry, eventually, over a lot of opposition. Oh, yeah. Initially, mm-hmm. uh, we we really did the first private video game show, what turned into E three that everybody for a long time loved. Now I guess it's going the other direction because who needs to get together in a big convention hall? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we did the first street date. We had more women in management than any company. Nobody in the video game industry had women in management. We had lots mm-hmm. of women yeah. in management back in in, in those days. We had the on-campus, on university campus representatives, you know, going around dorm to dorm, playing video games, and as, as a way of underground marketing. Yeah. We did the shopping mall tours where we compared? We had Super NES there and Genesis there, and said, "Okay, play both of them. Which one do you like better?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Genesis. So a lot of stuff we did. The oh. Cable TV uh, system that we did uh, showed that you could do, you know, with with do do games over. A cable system, if you will, back in those mm-hmm. days, a long time ago. Yeah. So, anyway, I don't want to go on and on about that, but a lot of stuff. Was pers- <laughs> yeah. The I room. mean,
0: you you guys you know took a lot of risks mm-hmm. um, that Nintendo did not was not wanting to take a risk with. I mean, like, like you had said, you wanted to market the Genesis more for those thirteen and older kids, you know, teenagers. You know, uh, the more edgy console, the two, obviously. You know, I remember one thing that uh, when I was a kid, and I and I've talked to, I'm actually good uh, buddies with Daniel Pescina, who helped uh, mm-hmm. out with Mortal Kombat, and we've talked. And I'm like, man, you know, uh, playing uh, Mortal Kombat on a Genesis was far superior. Oh yeah, <laughs> than playing on a Super Nintendo. I mean, Green Blood. I mean, you even said that Green yeah. Blood. Like, what Green great I, I, I think.
1: I think that decision to, to show the, the blood on the Genesis side, to leave it as is the original game, I think yeah. that was the hard line that really separated Sega from Nintendo. Yeah. Because I think that was the one that says, okay, here we go. This is where Sega stands and this is where Nintendo stands. Yeah, and I, I, Even I, Howard Lincoln admitted afterward that he was shocked that that uh, worked to our
2: advantage. He thought yeah. it was going to work to their advantage because they were the good guys and didn't have
0: yeah, blood. they had green blood yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right yeah that's i right. mean you i mean you guys and, and the thing that separates that era of gaming from the current era of gaming in my opinion i've said this time and again to many people i talk with you know right now it's it's so much more about graphics and making things look good mm-hmm. or look better back then i mean you guys you guys did the 32x at the t- at one point you guys Fair. had the sega cd which was great. I mean, you know, having this thing that connects into the Genesis that plays CD-based games, that was heard of. Uh, it was more, the innovation seems yeah. like it was so far different from how it is now. Now it's about graphics. Back then it was about what can we do or what can we, I mean, we, I remember back then, yeah. I remember back, I remember back in the day there was a, um, there was, I don't know, Tom, you probably remember this. There was this vest you could wear. And if you got hit in Mortal Kombat, it would like, it would like hit you in the chest. I mean, it, all kinds of crazy. That, that wasn't called the
1: activator. That, that wasn't. I, activator? I
0: think that's what that might've been, but it was all this insane technology. Yeah. That, back yeah. then. You just don't see, you don't, you see, don't see that, that no. anymore. And I kind of miss, and I kind of miss that. Um, that just you know, what can we do? You know, what can we get in the hands of these gamers to really change and innovate the industry? Yeah. And 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 you guys, man, you guys paved the way uh, back then oh, yeah. for for all that stuff. You know,
2: well, some of it worked and some of it didn't. Yeah. I still say that yeah. the uh, the Sega CD, uh, while it wasn't a huge, huge, huge seller, it was necessary because none of Absolutely. us had a program on a, on an optical disc. I mean, it was all a whole new thing. How do mm-hmm. you put filmed uh, movie <laughs> footage yeah. with animation footage with mm-hmm. orchestration music mm-hmm. and how do you get all that together and make it work in a game and so so that was a learning experience that was absolutely necessary to do um yeah. and, and of course the back on vr one that didn't work we did an early vr uh and uh oh boy Everybody got sick, including me. <laughs> you would put this on and you'd be in this VR world. And it was very, talk about motion sickness, holy mackerel. Uh, you'd either throw up or you'd fall over. One of the two. <laughs> that was technology that was well ahead of its time. I, and I know they yeah. figured it out since, but uh, or Sega hasn't, but other people have figured it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding, man.
1: But yeah, that's the stuff that I'm talking about, the innovation that, that happened during that time. paved the way for so much the oculus now you know and all this other vr VR stuff that's going on it's not perfect it's not quite there yet but that started with you know back in the day with sega i remember seeing that in a documentary like this visor type thing and you look up and you look to the side and you had all these i think they were like tanks i'm
0: not Mm -hmm. sure exactly what game that was was but
1: but that was a that was a ahead of its time that's for sure Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it
2: was was absolutely uh,
1: they didn't get it solved back then because it could have been. Wow, well, imagine that, you know. Oh yeah.
0: man, no,
1: it, yeah, that documentary is so insightful. And, and, and you know, there was a clip of you, Tom, speaking about online gaming is going to be right. huge, yeah. you know. And I'm telling myself, this the internet is so young, it wasn't even <laughs> oh, yeah. a thing yet. And AOL was still, you know, the leading provider of internet service, yeah. And, and you already foresaw how big online gaming was going to be. Talk about being ahead of your time, man. Yeah, I actually, could uh, have
2: been one of the things we did was I did a, I play against the president of, uh, uh, of AT&T. And <laughs> he was in New Jersey and I was here in Northern California. And we did a racing car game against one another over telephone lines. <laughs>
0: wow.
2: In those wow. wow. You know?
0: wow. <laughs> and
2: that's
1: that isn't there that was is
2: a bit crazy. of latency in the in the game. Oh yeah. Just,
1: just, just a little
0: bit. Just a little yeah. bit a
1: uh, High paint rate for sure. Huh?
0: Well, before we uh before we wrap up this episode, Tom, I gotta know what are you up to now? Like what you know, what okay. are you uh what are you doing right now in your career? Oh all right. um what what, what well, do you what, I, do? what are you getting into to, right now? Yeah, I've had to
2: slow down a lot because of you know different issues. But sure. I am chairman of a 3D printing company. And guess who, where the biggest market right now is for 3D printing? Video games. Video games. <laughs> Characters that you guys and players create in the game. Yep. You create a soldier or whatever, you create his armament, you create his, his outfit, and you want to have a physical version of it on your desk. Yep. So we have software, it's called uh, Mixed Dimensions is the name of the company. So Mixed okay. Dimensions, you click on the character and we will 3D print it for you in very high quality resin, very full color, uh, different sizes, different prices, and and ship it to you. So the oh, b- wow. market right now, even though we could use this technology in many different ways, right now the market yeah. is video games. Uh, the Star Trek players, for example, they oh. like to decorate their, their spacecraft, their constellation the way they want mm-hmm. it. And yeah. then you click on it, and we print it and ship it to you. A lot of EVE games, we do the same thing with some of the EVE, yeah. the Eve games, the, yeah. you know, lots of the fighting characters and what have you. So that's, uh, that's something that I'm doing. It's a startup, obviously. It's funded by venture capital here in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other than that, I'm on a couple of education technology companies. You know, I, I fell in love with education technology. Actually, when I was at Sega, when we did the Pico system, yep. and I saw that, that video game technology can make curriculum more fun and interesting than anything else. So why don't we do that in, in schools, whether it's K-12 schools or colleges or corporate training or what have you? Let's make the curriculum or the content more fun and interesting, so I'm involved in a couple of companies doing that, and that's about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Still making a difference is what I hear <laughs>
2: Still
0: I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share I'll share a quick story with you. This has to do with Sega. I remember when I was a kid um, Sega channel that was such oh, a yeah. that was yeah. such a crazy idea i did. I, did. I mean who yeah. would have thought playing video games through your cable company that's just insane yeah. and i remember uh when i found out found out about that my mom was like okay i'm gonna get it for you and i remember waiting outside my porch <laughs> the day the cable man was gonna come and bring me video games i was such a right thing talking about uh, i waited on my porch probably about five hours that day and, and he <laughs> finally came and it was like Christmas, and, and the and the cable guy was Santa, and he came in with that cartridge. And I see, and I I have seen that not too long ago. There was some store that had one for sale, and oh, wow. I and um that was just I mean you guys I'm telling you you guys had you guys had so many amazing and just off the wall like who would have thought playing video games through your cable company. <laughs>
1: Well, not 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 so much. of a I don't No, no.
0: To this day, you know. No. So quick story on I that. Just, ahead uh, of
2: its you time. You know, we did the we did the cable channel with with Time Warner and also yeah. PCI, yeah. the two biggest cable providers in the US at the time. Mm-hmm. And so my head of head of R and D was a great guy, Joe Miller, and I didn't know this. I thought that. Every cable box was basically the same technology around the United States. No, so <laughs> all, they're all different, city by city by city. <laughs> yep. So Joe asked me to come over to the R and D floor. Come down to the R and D floor. I go into this huge room, and there's all these cable boxes sitting around the room, oh, wow. hundreds of them. He says, "You see what you're making me do? Oh man, figure out how to make games work on everyone. <laughs> they're yeah. all
0: different." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But hey, you guys. But you guys made it work and it was, and it was great. And it was so crazy just being able to turn on my, my Sega Genesis. And yeah. and it was kind of like, it was kind of like, I'll tell you this. It was like an early version of game pass. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were like the first game pass. Yeah. You guys had, you guys started the whole thing, pay a monthly subscription fee. You get all these games. I remember playing games like Vector, man. One of my favorite Genesis games, oh, yeah. man, uh, playing that, um you guys had comics zone another one of my oh, classic favorite genesis games, and playing those uh first because you guys did like early access stuff too on there like get a play a couple levels of vector man on here i mean you that was game pass before it was game pass right yeah. there you know that's just uh crazy to think about uh that kind of stuff and i want to and once again thank you tom for, yeah. for for these awesome ideas and coming up with this stuff that we all got to enjoy that grew up in that time, uh, as kids and teenagers to, to do that. And, um, you know, uh, and thank you for being on the show today. And oh, we appreciate thank you, you uh, taking the time. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, we, we appreciate awesome. you taking the time to be on our show and thank you guys for, uh, taking time to watch as well i'll put a link in the description below of where you guys can go and check out and, and check out the book the book is great Oh yeah. um it definitely go, d- does a, i feel like in my opinion a much more deep dive into uh a lot of things we didn't even talk yeah. about here on this show and definitely go uh check out the console wars documentary <laughs> you guys can watch it on cbs all access if you have amazon prime you can do that uh but uh tom once again thank you for being on this episode of dragon cast with us we definitely appreciate you and until next time we'll see you guys Take it
2: easy. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much.